This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, Episode 3 for September 1st, 2005, Nat Routers. So let's talk about uh, routers, because this is something you schooled me in some time ago uh, and convinced me that a, a software firewall wasn't as good, even though you're the guy who really put zone alarm on the map, wasn't as good as a hardware router. Well, uh, yeah, I, I guess the point is that a software firewall, while it's running in your machine, it's victim to anything that your machine is. And we know, we know for sure that many malware now deliberately knows about software firewalls and has taken actions to shut them down. So while a software firewall is certainly a good thing to have for monitoring outbound flow from your machine, what few people recognize is that a NAT router, the same kind of NAT router that you know many people have for so-called IP sharing, where they have one IP on their cable modem or their DSL and they want to share it among many machines, that makes inherently an extremely good hardware firewall. Nothing is able to come in to the uh, across the router that isn't expected, because the way it works is that that the the router needs to know when packets do arrive, which machine behind the router that is in your own private network is expecting to receive it. Since they're all sharing that one IP, the router has to have some way of figuring out which one asked for it. The way it does that is that it watches the packets leaving the, the, the network. It watches the any machines on the LAN sending data out onto the internet. When packets leave, it makes a note of that packet, where it's bound for, and it changes the IP on the packet to its own public IP and gives it a port. So that when data comes back from that remote server, it looks in this table, a so-called connection table, to try to find a match. When it's able to match it up, that tells it which of the machines, because you might have, you know, you could have 15 of them behind your NAT router. It tells it which of the machines originated that traffic in the outgoing direction so that it knows how to route it in the incoming direction. So that's what a router is doing. It's saying that the data came from X when it comes back, I send it to X. That's called routing. Exactly. How does that protect me? Well, the way it protects you is that hackers that are scanning the net or worms that are infecting the net that are just sending out data, or, or remember for a while there was that the, uh, the Windows Messenger spam where people were getting these pop-up messenger dialogues all the time. All of that, worms, hackers, scanners, messenger uh, spam, all that, those are unsolicited packets, meaning that they're coming from some random IP and port number, and they're just scanning across your IP range of, of your ISP, and that traffic tries to reach your computers. Well, the beauty of having a NAT router as like your first line of defense is any of that stuff coming in, the router thinks, oh, maybe this is expected. Maybe it's been solicited by a computer behind the router. So it checks its table. It will not find an entry there because it's coming from, you know, any of four... Right. Yeah, exactly. It's coming from any of other, you know, four billion IPs. There literally are four billion possible IPs. And so it ignores it. It just throws it away. Is, I mean, is that all a firewall does? 
That's really all a firewall does. So fire- just by the virtue of the fact that it can't route a packet it didn't expect, it's blocking everything unexpected. It's a firewall. Yeah. Even if exactly. it doesn't say so on the box, even if they don't say this is a router and firewall? Exactly. Any NAT router is also a firewall. Now, this it, it, raises it, it, a couple of it, questions. First of all, are all broadband routers NAT firewalls, uh, NAT routers? I don't think I've ever seen one that isn't. That's how Be- they work. Yeah, that, that's essentially that's why people buy them is they want to share one IP, one public IP among multiple machines. So if it's able to do that, it's it's blocking stuff. The second thing, uh, and this is the one that people come up with most often when I tell them, "Oh no, you've got a very good firewall with your router." They say, "But it's only looking at incoming traffic. What about outbound traffic?" Well, and that's that's a really good point. It it permits outbound traffic all the time, which is why you still, it still makes sense to have a personal firewall running on the computer. You know, people want security to be perfect. They want it to be an absolute black or white thing, and it's just not. So, so the more security you have, the better. And so a, a hardware firewall, one of the nicest things about a NAT router is that if you have a computer with a personal firewall, I mean, that's just directly on the internet with no NAT router, you're, you'll very quickly get used to seeing all these pop-up messages as, the, as, your, as your software firewall is saying, oh no, you're being attacked, you know, I've, I'm blocking this, I'm blocking that, here's somebody attacking you, blah, 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 you know, those, the, the, the personal firewalls running on computers tend to be very noisy because they're trying to sell you on all the benefit that they're delivering. They're, they're saying, look at all the good I'm doing for you. This horrible stuff would have actually reached into your computer if I, the software firewall, hadn't blocked it. Well, it's just nonsense. You know, I coined the acronym IBR for Internet Background Radiation. It's just like static on the net. There's People always, are, this stuff's always going to be happening. It, well, in fact, we're never going to get worm-free now. There's worms out, and, and it's common knowledge that if you take an unpatched Windows machine and stick it on the Internet, within minutes, it's compromised. And it's got, it's got spyware and malware crawling in it. Because the net is just now crawling with this stuff, we're never going to get rid of it. It's just, it's part of the net ecosystem. So you're always going to see this background radiation. Yes. And unless, of course, you put on a router, and then it suddenly gets silent. It's very quiet. Well, that's exactly what happens. As I was going to make the point, is that if your computer with a software firewall is right on the Internet with no other protection, then then the the software firewall is popping up all the time. If, however, the moment you put a router on on your Internet connection, everything else still works, but your software firewalls go quiet. They, they're not complaining anymore. They're not popping things up because, because nothing is coming inbound that's going to get past the router. So you said a software firewall protects you against outbound traffic. Why would there be any outbound traffic? What, isn't that my machine? What's coming from my machine? Well, of course, that's the benefit of a software firewall is that, that malware can get into your system and use your Internet connection without your knowledge. So if your machine <laughs> already is infected... The software firewall can can notify you that something's going on under your nose. Exactly. It In fact, that's pop- how you discovered spyware. That, that's exactly right. I, I was beta testing the very first pre-release version of Zone Alarm, and I had something on my machine which just completely surprised me. I think it was, I think it was um, PK Zip for Windows briefly had some 
adware that I mean it wasn't it wasn't malicious spyware it was just adware that, that, that was bundled in and I had installed it because I was wondering how it compared to WinZip and I thought well I'll give this a try well it brought some advertising software along with it which without my knowledge or permission was using my connection and connecting to remote servers I don't know that it was doing anything bad I doubt that it was but the fact that this was happening said whoa you know there's a need for knowing what's going on so you said something interesting. You said it's not a bad idea to have both a hardware router acting as an inbound firewall and software firewall to protect you from outbound traffic. Do you need both? I think I think it makes sense to have both. There if, is a downside to software firewalls. Uh, you mentioned one, which is that bad guys can turn them off if they're sophisticated right. enough. But the right. other is it does add to the complexity of your system. You're running system-level software that can cause problems and takes up CPU cycles and memory. Well, and yes, and I'm all for not adding stuff you don't need, which is why one of the one of the f- upcoming positive features of the Windows Vista OS is they've finally added an outbound filtering capability to the XP firewall, which will be on by default, and will users will begin to have this sort of functionality we've always had to add add-ons in order to get. It'll be built into the OS so and the, just inherently more stable. The current Windows firewall isn't as effective? No, in fact, the the current Windows firewall is very much like a little NAT router on your own system. It allows outbound traffic to flow without being fettered at all, but it does block incoming traffic. So it's sort of like having a little NAT router right there. But of course, all the hackers know how to turn it off. Right. Is, Is it fairly easy to do? Oh, yeah. It's quite trivial, actually, to turn it off. Oh, that's too bad. I mean, and, and that, that's an inherent problem with a software firewall, but I don't see that changing anytime soon because to change Windows architecture would be just a huge, right. a huge revamp of the OS. So if you've got a router, no point in using the Windows firewall. It's not giving you any additional protection, but you might want to run something like Zone Alarm. My personal favorite right now, I think you were the one who told me about it, is the Seagate Personal Edition, the free... A I like firewall. I like Seagate. I like actually my favorite two are the Cario or the Tiny personal firewall. Tiny's very course, good, yeah. And Seagate just got purchased by Symantec, right. so it's going to be gone here before long. It won't I don't be even free know if you, yeah. don't know if you can still get it. Right. So Tiny or Cario is it K E R I O R I O. All right. So those are two, and they're free. Yes, okay. they, they have they have free, and then they have commercial editions. But the free ones work just fine. I have to admit, I don't run an outbound firewall. I just uh, trust that my NAT router is protecting me. And I guess if you're pretty sure you're not infected by spyware or malware of some kind, that's probably okay. Actually, Leo, I don't either. Oh. <laughs> you make me feel better because I don't want that additional complexity. And, but uh, see, I also don't have antivirus or anti-spyware. But you're very careful kind. about what I'm, you do. I'm... Yeah, the term would be anal. I'm, I mean, I am so careful. I, nothing could make me open a file attachment in email. Right. I mean, just nothing. No. I, also, I also do something which is uncommon, which is to surf with IE. I still use Internet Explorer, but it's locked down so there won't run any scripting or do anything unless I explicitly permit it on a per-site basis. We have the instructions that you gave me some time ago for doing that on my radio show website. I will put a link to that in the show notes so that people can... Uh, it, it involves trusted zones and, and protecting yourself that way. Um, and it's it's kind of a pain in the butt, to be honest with you, Steve. I mean, I know. <laughs> but I, I guess I that's the nature of security. It really is. It's it, There isn't a way to be out there exposed on the Internet and and be safe. So you've just got to keep your guard up. 
So we've talked a little bit about, just to recap, uh, the fact that a router makes a very good inbound firewall. If you want further protection, a software firewall will protect you against outbound traffic. There is an exception, though. Routers, uh, in order to do some things on the Internet, you have to poke a hole in the router. Correct. Does that compromise your security? Well, it potentially does. And in fact, it's the one caveat that, and the caution that I, that I try to always remind people about. And that's this thing called universal plug and play. This was a standard that Microsoft created, which first appeared in XP. And of course, it had all kinds of problems and exploits. In fact, that's why I created my unplug and pray freeware to shut this off on the XP side. But that's different than shutting it off on the router side. What unplug and play, I'm sorry, (laughs) what universal plug and play, which is what it's called on the router does, is it allows any computer behind the router to ask for holes to be opened up so that this unsolicited traffic that we were talking about, the router being so good about blocking, to allow the unsolicited traffic to actually pass through the router, even though it's not a conversation or connection that has been initiated from behind the router. So it is a hole that traffic is allowed to come through and then routed to a specific machine. This is important for some, in some cases for peer-to-peer file sharing, but mostly for things like instant messaging clients where you want to be able to be part of a peer-to-peer network. You want to be able to receive incoming messages into your network. The problem, of course, is that instant messaging is replete with all kinds of malicious software, you know, malware, spyware, viruses, there's all kinds of problems and security problems with, with instant messaging that users need to be aware of. So, so contemporary routers, have all, they all have something called universal plug and play. If you don't know you need it, turn it off. This is uh, essentially what it's doing is automatically port forwarding. It's Well, it's automating the configuration of the router, but there's no security associated with it. You don't get a pop-up. You get no notice whatsoever. And in fact, even if you look at the user interface, you know, the, the, how, how you're able to go to a web, sort of a virtual website and, uh, and web pages that the router creates, you can look at that and it doesn't even show you what port forwarding has been configured by the software behind your back. It so may you be can, turned on without your knowledge, without warning, and there's no way of knowing what was turned on. Correct. If and, I turn and, off UPnP in my router settings, does it turn off all the forwarding that's been done? I would turn it off and then I would restart or reset the router so that it's going to come up fresh and clean. Oh, interesting, because it may, in fact, retain some of those port forwarding settings. Now, now, frequently, people will do port forwarding intentionally. If I want to use BitTorrent or MSN Messenger, I will, in order to use it, I will have to do some port forwarding. I will have to open up some holes in my router, but at least I'm doing that explicitly. Well, and in fact, yes, when you and I were using Skype for these conferences before, I had to deliberately open a port through my router so that uh, a friend, actually it wasn't you that I had a problem with, it was someone else who had a, a VPN router that wasn't peer-to-peer friendly. And so I had to open my side up so that Skype was able to hook us up directly and we were able to get a good connection. Oh, interesting. Okay. So there are times when this is uh, you do do this, but at least you've done it explicitly. You know it's being done and it's not some malware that's doing it. It's well, you. 
Well, that's exactly the problem, is that mal malware will start becoming, and as far as I know, there isn't any yet, but we might as well be ahead of the curve this time. Malware will start issuing UPnP commands to reach out to people's routers as routers become more popular in order to open holes back into the malware so that, for example, traditional Trojans are able to operate, because a Trojan that would normally be functional will be blocked by a, a router. No one will be able to, to call into the Trojan as they used to. Well, so I'm going to now extend our list of things that you should do. So we said you should have a router. You might want to have a software firewall as well. Uh, you should, on this router, you should turn off universal plug-and-play. And then restart the router. Restart the router. And one more thing I'll add, which I know you would add, but is that you should change the password on the router because all of them have default passwords, which are well known. Well, and that's the other thing, too, is that some routers have an option for WAN management. That is, W-A-N stands for Wide Area Network, as opposed to LAN, which is the Local Area Network. In other words, some routers allow you to have administrative access from the Internet side. And you, unless you, oh, unless you really know that you need that, you absolutely want to turn that off. So if you, if you, if you browsing through your router configuration you see WAN management is enabled absolutely turn that off and it's often enabled by default it seems it is and it's just crazy it's I think that what happens is a manufacturer wants as few support calls as possible so they really configure these to be as as loose and open as possible because they don't want people to call and say well I can't do this right but, of course, you don't want to be able to do that unless you have a specific need. There's one other thing that people often do uh, and have problems with routers, and that is uh, run a server, particularly game servers. Uh, but there are, there are other kinds of servers, a web server, that you might want to run. Uh, and the routers are going to get in the way of those as well, aren't they? Well, that brings up a really interesting issue because that's the so-called the, the, the DMZ, the demilitarized zone, as it's called on routers. And the idea is that you can designate one of your machines to be the machine that unsolicited traffic goes to on purpose. Or, as, as we've said, you could just forward specific ports. For example, you were just saying, you know, people might, might want to run a game server. The problem with that is, and it's a serious security issue, is that the router is essentially making that machine part of your LAN. That is, you're, you're allowing unsolicited traffic and trusting this traffic to come into your LAN aimed at a specific machine. But once it gets there, if something were malicious that got into that machine you deliberately opened, that machine has access to all the other computers in your network. It's on your LAN. So one trick that I have never seen anywhere is you can actually use two NAT routers. You're able to put NAT routers in series so that, for example, you'd have an external NAT router and an internal NAT router. And uh, you might want to put this link on the show notes. It's www.grc.com slash NAT slash nat.htm. I've put together a page where I've drawn some diagrams to make this a little more clear and explained it carefully because it's a very cool idea. The idea is that you could put your, your game server on the external NAT, on the NAT that's connected to the Internet. 
And then rather than putting the rest of your computers on the same NAT router, put them on their own NAT router and then hook that second NAT router to the first one, essentially in series. So the first one's passing all traffic through, but the second one's blocking traffic from those computers you want to keep off the DMZ. Well, and it's also, so no longer is your game server on your LAN. It's separated as well. It's sort of on like WAN 2. It's sort of on a separate network. And, and again, you're able to access the game server because you're going upstream. You're going through the NAT outbound, which is where the game server is, on the outside of your second NAT. But it can't get to you. So if something were to compromise it, you're safe. Another cool application would be if you wanted to mess with wireless, but you were still, you know, you had like first generation wireless technology with web security, which is actually an oxymoron, um, as opposed to the WPA security, which is really good security. What you could do is you could have your wireless router on the internet and then have an, a standard non wireless router, which which runs your main network, your wired network, and you plug your, your second router into the wireless router. The beauty of that is that no, no wireless traffic is then able to reach into your network because that second NAT router blocks everything trying to come into it. So conceptually, these both are the same idea, which is that anything that's at risk is isolated from the rest of your network by this second router, which provides a barrier against these at-risk uh, routers or computers. Right. You're, in fact, you can sort of think of a NAT router sort of like a one-way valve. Data can flow out of it without any trouble, but un- un- unsolicited data is unable to flow back in. It's sort of like a backflow valve. It won't let the, the data come in the other direction. And you can chain them. You can put them in series so, and, and come up with you know interesting network topologies to really increase the overall security of your system. Say, for example, you were a family and you had a bunch of teenagers all with their own computers. Isolate them. <laughs> well, no, 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 actually, you, you well, essentially, so, and then, and then you got mom and dad's adult computer right. where where the banking and the stock portfolio and all right. that stuff is you just you connect it to the family router through its own mm. nat router mm-hmm. giving it its own little one-way valve it's able that, that you know the adult computer mom and dad's computer can still get out to the internet but nothing that infects the kids' computers and their LAN has an opportunity to come back into you. That's a really useful metaphor for how a router works. It's a one-way valve. Outgoing traffic's allowed, but unknown incoming traffic is always blocked. Yep. And uh, then if you conceptually understand that, then I think it makes sense. This, this more advanced uh, description of DMZs and so forth makes, makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, it's very cool. Steve, great stuff. And uh, we, I will this time put together a, links, a list of links on the show notes, which are available at thisweekintech.com. A reminder to folks who subscribe to all of our podcasts, This Week in Tech, Security Now, Radio Leo, The Laporte Report, and the KFI podcast, that we've moved them off FeedBurner and onto their own uh, pod, uh, own RSS uh, feeds uh, so that uh, you probably won't have to do anything. Most RSS software is going to be smart enough. FeedBurner has an automatic redirect. Uh, the feed software that you use will in all likelihood see that redirect and change the URL for you. If it doesn't, just so you know, the new feed for this podcast is leo.am slash podcasts slash SN for security now. And of course, we're still hosted and gratefully hosted by AOL's podcast channel on AOL Radio at AOLmusic.com. Uh, without them, there'd be no way we could uh, do these podcasts pro bono. 
but they, they absorb the costs of the uh, immense amount of bandwidth. We don't have to. Thank you, AOL. And thank you, Steve, for another great description. I think routers are one of the most important tools in uh, the security arsenal, and I think everybody should have one. Uh, if you have a broadband connection, get a router. I, f- I feel bad for people with uh, dial-up because, I mean, there, there's the Wi-Flyer and there's some dial-up routers, but they're very expensive. Well, the only advantage really is they're not on the net 24-7, right. so they're only connected briefly. And, of course, routers have come down so that they're they're below 50 bucks now. Yeah, it's a great little security appliance. Even if you only have one computer connected to a DSL or cable modem, a, a, a router is, is pretty much a must-have. Right. Oh, and another nice feature of uh, security now, Steve Gibson has decided to uh, foot the bill for transcripts. So does that mean we'll have full text of each podcast, Steve? Each podcast, about 24 hours after it goes public, will have both a text and a ready-to-print PDF file that are very small and allows people just to get them in text if they want to. Wow, that's really great. I mean, it underscores that that this is really a pro bono effort on your part uh, to just get the word out about security, and that's one thing you've done all along uh, with GRC.com. So the webpage is GRC.com slash security now. Dot HTM. Dot HTM. Thank you, Steve Gibson. We'll see you at GRC.com and back here again next Thursday for Security Now.